Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast, second episode this week. And I'm very happy with this episode. First of all, Dermot Whelan is a good friend of mine. If you don't know who Dermot Whelan is, he's a radio presenter on Today FM in Ireland. He is also a stand-up comedian. And more recently, he got into meditation coaching and just talking very openly about wellness and mental health. And uh, that, that was really why I wanted to get him on the podcast this week, because I was noticing that he was doing some online events uh, and before the pandemic, I knew that he had been doing some like live sort of meditation focused performances. So I thought that's all we talk about. But actually, for the first 15 minutes, we're just messing. And it was fun. And I could have edited it out because there's so much uh, really interesting stuff that he talks about when he talks about meditation. I, I didn't realize how informed uh, he is about it and how much of a part of his life it is. Um so I could have edited it out to have a very concise sort of meditation-focused episode. However, on top of being good at meditation, Dermot's just very funny. And I love having the crack with him. So for the first 15, maybe 20 minutes, we're literally having the crack, mostly about misophonia, about the people that are driven crazy by certain noises. So if you're one of those people, get ready. And uh, other than that, it's just a really, really fun app. Thanks to everybody for listening to Blakely. Thanks for the feedback. As always, leave reviews, at Des Bishop on Instagram, any feedback. Um, I'll talk to you at the end of the episode. Here's Dermot, Whelan, and I. So anyway, Dermot, first of all, it's great to talk to you. I mean, it shouldn't have, it shouldn't have, taken, a, it shouldn't have taken a podcast. And ignore the sound of cats and dogs fighting, because uh, I live in a zoo. It's part of, my, part of my pandemic life. This is what's happened to America now. There's just, uh, you know, marches... And raids on Capitol buildings, uh, feral cats. No, well, um, Hannah, Hannah there's wild animals in. in every house. <laughs> Actually, I, I, Hannah moved in because you know I know we're gonna we're gonna talk. I want to talk about your wellness journey, but now that I have you as as a, as a married man with children, Hannah moved in with her fucking cat. I'm fostering dogs, and suddenly you know I've had a I've had a major life change. Before we do anything, Dermot, give me some advice. I got nothing. Just uh, take each day as it comes. All I can and, say uh, is, all I can say is that the, the cat's actually going crazy now, so I might have to actually deal with it. But all I can say is that, you know, Hannah said she's going to move in with the cat. I was like, fine, but I said I'm like allergic to cats, so I was like, the cat can't be in the bed, you know. And now the cat sleeps with us every night. So I'm, I'm failing on the boundaries part of the relationship yeah. straight away. Look, give up. Just give up on boundaries. You've, you've given them away. With a, you just aren't aware of that yet. 
That's I know. Pets. We have a dog about a year and a half, and I was the classic. The dog is not allowed upstairs. You know, I don't want the dog. Uh, but if he comes into, you know, he's got to be in the garden. He's de- definitely not upstairs. If I see him on the bed, he's going back to the rescue pound. Um, and now, now he's <laughs> in bed. <laughs> I was the- now I, sw- I swapped out my pillow, and now I use Buddy the mongrel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was the same in that. You know, so I started fostering dogs at the beginning of the pandemic just for like something to do. And uh, my mother was like very adamant when we were kids, like that the, the dogs wouldn't be on the couch. And I actually, before, you know, I know a lot more about dogs now, but uh, I kind of, I was under the impression that it was good to keep the dogs off the couch, that actually like it's good to sort of set these these boundaries. So I was on Instagram early on being like, the dog won't be on the couch. And everybody was like, the dog will be on the couch. And like, the more I researched, the more I was like, there's no need to keep the dog off the couch. But now it's like, the dog's not just on the couch. The dog's in the fucking bed. I mean, the dog can do whatever it likes in terms of uh, cuddle stuff. I'm, I'm pretty good at the discipline in the areas that matter, but not a fucking chance. In fact, this current foster dog I have, I can't get him. That, literally, that's all she does is lie on the couch. She doesn't, she's afraid to go anywhere else. Yeah, well, I would imagine if they're foster dogs, you know, you, you got to give them an extra bit of love and care. But the, the problem is you just, you know, you, you all you need is one weak link in the chain of command and the whole not on the couch, not in the bed. Everything breaks down. Hey. You just need one person to go, oh, come on. And that's hey. it. The dog is like, this is this is what I do now. Amen, bro. There's so many levels to this. <laughs> I mean, there's always one fucking table feeder. You know, there's always yeah. one fucking th- think that they, they think, you know, because what happens is it's like a competition. Like, who does the dog love most? So some people want to cheat and they want to, you know, they want to like drop some food at the table. And then it's like, oh, yeah, look, look, the dog loves me. But you, you, you're you you're breaking all the fucking rules. Yeah. And like the most pathetic thing then is the act that is put on. Then, you know, when I'm around, if if you're the one surviving disciplinarian you know, exactly <laughs> and then there's this pretense that all the rules are still in place but you start to realize hang on a sec when i'm not here the shit is not happening like, so it's, <laughs> you know they look at the dog now now buddy we told you not on the couch as if he has somehow just had a complete you know <laughs> leave of his senses and he just uh, you know broke the boundary but no this is happening all the time behind your back so you're wasting your time uh, yeah, when I when we had Flynn, Flynn was the the foster dog we've had for the longest. But Aiden was with me for the entire Flynn journey. Aiden was back here for the summer. He's back in Dublin now. So Flynn was a very difficult dog. He's actually back at the shelter now because he he he's been through two adopted homes and both of them have returned him. He's actually he's a very difficult dog. I and I I loved him and uh, you know now that the cat lives here I can't take Flynn back. Flynn was adopted. Hannah moved in with the cat, so now I can't take Flynn. Flynn is uh, is not good with cats. So coincidentally enough, I just walked him. I go to the shelter now to to walk him just to give him a little extra TLC because it's been a tough journey for him. Anyway, all that aside, Aiden, so we had very strict instructions on how to walk the dog. He cannot pull on the leash, you know, and when he pulls on the leash, you turn around the other way until he's back at your leg and then you praise him for not pulling on the leash and it's like all the time. It has to be total consistency and then every time I'd fucking see Aiden and he didn't know I was there, Flynn would be walking Aiden, you know, fucking pull. And I'm like, Aiden, I told you, you got to fucking turn around and, 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 you know, do the stuff that I told you. It's like, I fucking do it, bro. You just, you just happen to fucking, you just happen to fucking see it just at this minute. What the fuck do you want me to do? 
I'm like, what I want you to do is the fucking job, the job that I do. I know it's tedious. It's fucking tedious. You know, he's like, what do you want me to do, bro? He's fucking pulling me. It's like, <laughs> so then the next time I'd walk Flynn, Flynn would be fucking like pull, pull. I was like, fuck it. Aiden broke the fucking link. Anyway, sorry. He's the weak link. <laughs> I love the way the bishops could take something as, you know, beautiful and and wholesome as walking the dog and turn it into a scene from Goodfellas. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you walk the fucking dog. So uh, anyway, it. it's good to it's good to get you on. Normally you're actually interviewing me. I mean, we're we're we're, fr- we're friends, you know. We 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 hang mm. out at we hang out at weddings and we have normal chats too, but when we're actually in microphones, it's normally you that's interviewing me. Yeah, but I I just like obviously I haven't seen you in a while because you don't live in Ireland anymore and plus there's pandemic so you haven't had really had a chance to come back um and we don't meet in comedy clubs because they don't exist anymore um no two of like, our friends two of our friends have had children like there's a lot going on while I've been away yeah well like <laughs> you your transformation is one of them like I'm the perpetual independent bachelor uh, is suddenly you've just you've just gone to defcon 5 and now you're fostering creatures and they're like, I, what's I, going on? I know, man. I'm I, like, and, 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 and I'm very happy with it, I have to say. I mean, it took a pandemic. You look happy. I, it took a pandemic. Uh, but, well, you know, you meet somebody that's special. I, you know, I talked about it a lot in the early days. I haven't talked about it as much lately. But now that we're chatting, it was, you know, it was like immediate, you know, this connection, the bond. And I, I think you would get it if she was, if, if you know, whenever she, we are able to get her over to Ireland, you will see that, like all of us, of our sort of like, you know, this extended group of people that we know, like like-minded people, she kind of gets it. She fits right in with that, the crack, the taking the piss, you know, whatever about the physical attraction and the, and the, the physical connection. There was also this immediate sense of like, oh, I can fucking hang out with you most days, you know? Give or take the few argument days, or you know, the the. And how does she feel about you discussing her and your relationship uh, in the podcast? And in such, <laughs> I presume it's going to hit it's the fun- stand-up stages as well. It's funny you should mention that. I don't know if you know what she is, but she is a podcaster slash reality TV star slash comedian herself. And okay. I have never been one to discuss matters of my relationships. You know, I was I was in a nine year relationship, engaged and nearly married, and hardly anybody knew about it. But uh, she, before I even had a chance to say anything, went on one of the largest podcasts in America, call her daddy, and fucking gave a play by play of one of our sexual experiences here in this very house. <laughs> so there so is did you no. Feel, uh, did you feel betrayed or or chuffed? Well, because her description makes me sound like the best fucking lover of all time. I was absolutely chuffed. In fact, originally I had said to her, like, you know, you got to keep that shit on the down low. But after the way she described it, I fucking told everybody to listen to Call Her Daddy. <laughs> I, I, I wanted the whole world to know. You know what I mean? I, like, I was just waiting for the tweets being like, this is Des Bishop that she's talking about. I don't know if you know that. That's Des Bishop that's fucking riding her in the shower. That's Des Bishop shower, even. <laughs> I, you know, I don't it's even know if pity, I. It's such a pity you can't frame audio and hang it over the fireplace. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's where that would go. Well, you, you could get a transcript, you know, with, with the fucking quote, yeah. you know, Hannah Burnett, call her daddy, whatever, you know, June, uh, August 26, 2020. <laughs> the worst year for everybody except for Des Bishop. He had the fucking best year of his life. 
Um, yeah. So anyway, all it, it has worked out, and even the moving in part. But you know, I think there's all sorts of uh, funny dynamics with uh, a pandemic, like you know, a sense of our life. Well, certainly my life. I mean, you you know, you haven't done as much of the live stuff in recent years, but you know, the live, the traveling, all that shit is not conducive to relationships. It's not conducive to connections. So being forced to just be stuck here. Uh, it, it makes you it makes you more capable of connecting with somebody, but also, uh, you know, just like having the time to just spend together without the stresses of life. I know the pandemic is like this massive stress, but we kind of just ignore that. We're just like hanging out. It's like a very long holiday. Well, isn't that what a relationship is meant to feel like? You know, yeah, but yeah, but then the you have then- years, it, it should feel like a like a holiday. You know the. Yeah, and we are in the honeymoon phase. I mean, that's a lot of things that people are like, wow, you guys moved in quick. But like in a way, I, I think I'm going to write a book about how you should move in straight away because the honeymoon phase covers a lot of cracks and you can sort of, you can figure each other out without being too annoyed by each other too quickly. Yeah. You know? It's only now, she's been living here since October and it's only now that the sound of her chewing has started to annoy me. it's only lately that i've actually heard the sound of her chewing but it gets louder every day (laughs) (laughs) well you're talking to someone uh who definitely has the clinical misophonia misophonia. (laughs) and the chewing in fact i just left a couch where my wife and two sons were eating a mixed bowl of popcorn and an assortment of crisps uh, watching a movie and i'm i'm really glad we had this podcast because <laughs> i couldn't stay there anyway like it's it's horrific how did you find out about misophonia because i found out by like either tweeting or talking about it on instagram and then you get like a hundred messages like did you know that that's actually a clinical condition <laughs> yeah. is that how you found out yeah i think i was probably talking about it on the radio it was um it, it, it actually chewing has always annoyed me um and obviously like you say in an early stage relationship you're just like hey i don't care if you stick the apple core up your nostril like i just love you so much uh but yeah after a while it really really gets to you um and i remember i used to have a friend uh who well, he's still my friend but i won't name and shame him but he uh he always ate uh mars bars and breathed at the same time. So he's he's an eater breather. Uh, they're a very special breed uh, to be avoided at all times. If you're you do fucking have through the nose, the through the nose breathing while chewing. Yeah. So if it sounded roughly like this, <laughs> so I think that was my first exposure to. Oh, wow, there's something going on here that I'm. I actually, my brain cannot be in the same proximity as. Um, but I, I realize it's not just chewing. It's um, it's also the like random frequencies are a lot louder. So if I'm in a cafe, all I will hear is are the fridges. So if I'm trying trying to talk to somebody, I'll hear the uh, and I always feel like standing up, going, "Can can no one else hear?" hear this thing like they're so loud but you know and the you know the the uh, coffee grinders that the barista just forgets about so it's going the whole time everyone's having these lovely conversations and i just sit there looking around going how can anyone 
to have any maintain any kind of conversation here between the fridge going and the coffee grinder going yeah it's impossible and this motherfucker next to me chewing this motherfucker you you know i'm not going to name the i'm not going to name the comedian but there's a comedian that we don't see that much these days but he was very much a part of the early scene and he fucking eats bananas with his mouth open. And it's like the <laughs> loudest mastication you will ever hear in your life. It's like mastication amplification. But not only do you get the sound of this this banana fucking, you know, mush, but he you could see it as well. And it was actually one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever witnessed in my life. Uh, with the teeth clacking as well uh, for, for good measure. Banana, bananas are bad. But then you know what else I've discovered? drives me insane is the sound of typing typing okay oh like someone in the office clicking clacking at the key somebody else typing fucking drives me insane but there are there are some people who enjoy the sound of uh, the thought of other people hearing them type it's something (laughs) like clack 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 like yeah Yeah, super productive i've just got shit to do here you know, if you're sitting on an airplane and they're like, oh, laptop time, you know, you exactly. may be able to lounge the, the, around and watch <laughs> movies, but, I, you know, I'm on my shit right here. And all they're doing is like an updating Facebook status or something. The performative typist. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that fucking performance stuff. I, I also have a problem. Coincidentally enough, also in cafes, I have a problem with performance parenting where people kind of parent like overly loud so the whole cafe can hear how amazing they are at parenting. Uh, yeah. Especially yeah, if they've just... do that. Yeah, or, or especially if they've just come from like the board gosh and seen some fucking ripoff show and then they like want to ask their kid about all the great things that they've just seen. And, you know, and then we have to listen to the kid's fucking, you know, he's obviously gifted and he's like really great at talking about what just happened. And it's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but anyway, it turns out that typing, it turns out that typing is uh, typing all the misophonia stuff. It's all there. Like I was surprised, but like. You know, typing's common, the chewing is common. And then the thing that really got me was that it it changes from person to person. So like your brother's chewing can drive you a lot more crazy than like a stranger's chewing. That that it's it's that connected to who you are. Oh yeah. Well I suppose everyone has their own frequency of, of chew. I know, um, but it's also the emotional connection. Like it's like it's deeper than that. Yeah, like, well certainly if you you know, if you don't like somebody and they chew loudly, it's going to be uh, it's going to be unbearable. And and if they're sitting there eating an apple and typing at the same time, um, oh, but, or but rice I, cakes, that's another one. Oh, and the smell too, the fucking rice cake <laughs> yeah. smell combo. Because when you're eating a rice cake, it tastes great, but when you're not eating a rice cake, it just smells fucking awful. <laughs> so yeah. I, is that, am I too passionate about that? <laughs> no, because no. no, Dave. My uh, long-suffering co-host Dave has actually uh, absolutely two of his most hated things are rice cakes and peanut butter, and his kids eat peanut butter on rice cakes, and then he oh, has to leave God. the room. That's fucking torture. <laughs> Although uh, we, myself, and Dave's wife Tracy both hate the way he eats cornflakes, and at home he's he's he has to eat cornflakes in a different room. Well, I make my brothers eat cereal in a different room. What's Dave's issue with the cornflakes? It's not that he chews loudly. His mouth is closed, but he just, he chews qu- quite rapidly. 
And it's just something really annoying about it. <laughs> like it's a I'd have to get him to demonstrate. <laughs> whatever it is, it's it's nails on a blackboard. I know, but you'll lose listeners because like if you if you take misophonia and then you add it to the microphone, like it's almost unbearable. Like I can't even take if like somebody's on the radio and their mouth is a bit dry and like they're getting you can hear the sound of their like lips separating. And yeah. or like their tongue clicking off the roof of their mouth. If it's like on the radio, I have to turn it off. It's like even if it's like the most interesting conversation ever, if I get that like that any of that <laughs> sound, I'm I'm out. Yeah. I can't I can't do it. No, and there's there's actually a couple of very well known presenters in Ireland who who have the most like just incredible mouth noises. And it's it's a bit like when you look at a zebra crossing. You know, and sometimes you will see predominantly the white stripes and sometimes you will see the black. So when I listen to them, I don't hear what they're saying. I just hear them out noises. Exactly. And, and, and it seems like you, you want to scream out the window of the car. How can you all not hear this? Yeah, I you want know? to roll down the window to the guy next to me. Like, Are you on fucking RT Radio 1 right now? Because I can't hear anything other than the sound of fucking spit, you know? It's like, are they telling us to go into level five? Because all I'm hearing is fucking dry tongue. <laughs> uh, I'm glad. I'm glad I have a a, a kindred misophonic spirit. Because I even had, I before like everyone knew about misophonia. Because it's like you know over the years, like I, I'm doing comedy longer than than people knowing everything because they Googled it. And, you know, I, I had a routine about my brother eating cereal years ago. Uh, there's one of my animals there jumping down the ladder. But uh, I had a routine about <laughs> Coming eating, down out of the box room after a nap. Yeah, about eating, eating cereal. And then, you know, him and I'd be like, can you close your mouth? And then he'd close his mouth, but he'd be breathing through his fucking nose. And then I'd be like, dude, I can hear you breathing. And it's like, I have to fucking live. And I was like, I know that's part of the fucking problem, you know? Like, but nobody ever said to me after those shows... That's misophonia. It's more of a recent thing that suddenly everybody knows about it. Yeah, it's well, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a good thing when you realize, actually, I'm not just, a, you know, a really aggressive, sensitive person. Like it's there's actually something happening in my brain that's making your chewing. Like, I think the best way to approach it, particularly early on in a relationship, is just be upfront and go, I hate. I cannot stand the way you eat apples. It's nothing personal. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, do not be alarmed if I have to leave the car or the room or wherever you are when you're eating an apple. It's nothing personal. And I, once you set it up, then you don't, you have to avoid that seething, you know, the quiet seething where you're trying to watch a movie, but all, all you're fixated on is, yeah, are they going to finish that fucking bowl of popcorn so I can enjoy John Wick 3? Like, <laughs> before I go John Wick uh, on everyone in this house <laughs> and smash through the floor and get my secret gun collection and blow everybody away for eating rice cakes too loudly. Oh, dude, we're kindred spirits on that. <laughs> I, I don't even have the energy to laugh anymore. I'm just so happy to have found somebody who gets me, you know? So anyway, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to have you, well, I, I need guests, number one, as you know, you know the game. And uh, I had noticed that you're, you're, you know, you're doing these, I guess currently you're doing like online wellness courses, right? You're doing like some sort of uh, online stuff. Yeah, I, I, I 
became a meditation teacher about three years ago. So I, I teach primarily in the corporate world. There's a lot of stressed out employees, particularly now. So I do a lot of that. Um, I do some stuff online. I was meant to be doing a live tour just before COVID. Yeah, that, uh, I remember I remember seeing the promo for that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like a, a weird hybrid between stand up and uh, meditation. So my goal was to just bring it to as many people as I could and, you know, and, and mix my two passions, which would be comedy and meditation. So it, it seemed like a good one. Although, you know, when I went to the theater uh, in Dublin to explain to the guy who owned it what I was planning to do, and he was like, he's a, a cabin man who I've known for years. And he's like, yeah, what? You're, you're mixing stand up comedy and meditation. Should be nobody drinking at that. <laughs> I'll make nothing at the bar so I was like no you might have to put a kombucha in the taps that night yeah. um, we sell some but, essential oils yeah but you know that sounded so uh, strange uh, to many people at the start of 2019 but actually now I think when you say the idea oh you know it's a mixture of comedy and meditation people are like mm, yeah that sounds cool so like no, I, I mean, think it the, sound, it sounds the great perception an openness to that kind of thing has has escalated drastically, particularly in light of what's been going on. I mean, I know that you're doing it because it's genuinely what you're interested in. But upon seeing it, I I actually thought like, oh, that's 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 like good business. I I don't mean that in a in a way that you're being shrewd, but actually, I just thought like he's he's landed on on a thing that I think has got a lot of growth in it because I think more and more people are 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 looking for. You know they're 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 looking for something that's accessible, but also they 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 need to fucking sort their heads out. Yeah, and I, I think particularly Irish people at the moment, um, because we have such a history and a, a wonderful rich history with alcohol. <laughs> um, I think for many people, particularly when they kind of hit late thirties, early forties, that just doesn't work for them as a health management system. Yeah, or you know? some sort of uh, emotional outlet. Yeah, so I think, you know, people, we're a lot more health conscious generally anyway. So, and I think we, we you know, people are used to the idea of going to a gym. You know, if you don't feel at your physical peak, um, you know, you know, are you're feeling a bit sluggish or whatever, you know, well, look, I can, I can go to the gym. I know a few physical exercises I can do. I can go to a personal trainer. That's what I do when my body's, you know, not feeling great. But we we sort of nail that down, but now we're moving into the, okay, well, look, what do I do when my mind isn't feeling great? You know, I, I know a bottle of wine, you know, might help me for a couple of hours while I'm sitting in front of the telly. But, you know, after that, I, I need something else, something a bit more sustainable and a bit healthier. So I think people are open to the idea of not necessarily putting on robes and joining a cult and, you know, heading for the spaceship, but just at least learning a few techniques or tips just like you would from a personal trainer, except for your brain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's great. So let me jump back into, like, wh when did this, like, when did this, like, epiphany that you needed to sort of go down this road? Because a lot of people get into meditation, but they don't get to the point where they think that they could, they can teach it. So I assume that there was some some events and things that happened in your life that made you want it, and then. Uh, made you feel like this other people need to know about this? Yeah, well, it was actually, it, it was driving to the Kilkenny Cat Laughs Comedy Festival back in, in 2007. 
And I was relatively new and I was also doing breakfast radio at the time. So I was up at half four. I was doing stand up mostly in your club and the international, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes. Um, I was doing the improv as well on on Mondays. Uh, So that was kind of late nights, really, really early mornings, uh, small babies at home. Mm. And I was just exhausted and that kind of cocktail of stress and exhaustion and then the nerves about stand-up itself because you know it's let's face it it's it's a it's it's a terrifying job particularly Mm. at the start when you're just finding your feet you know so I was driving down to Kilkenny and I felt like somebody was it was literally like the invisible man had opened the door of the car and just sat on my lap so I I was just feeling really, really strange. I couldn't, like a big pressure on my sort of solar plexus and my stomach. And I was like, what is happening here? My brother-in-law was in the car with me. So I was like, I think I've got to pull over. And uh, so I was then lying on the side of the road, um, gasping for breath. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm actually dying here. I thought I was having a stroke or a heart attack. So I didn't know what was going on. I rang Kareen and my wife, or I got him to ring because uh, I my hands had gone into spasm and so had my tongue and my jaw. So I couldn't talk properly. Um, so when he, uh, I got him to dial Karina and I was like, that's it, I'm, I'm checking out. <laughs> you know, I got to ring her, say I love her one more time. And I tried to talk, but because my mouth had all gone into spasm, I was just like, so she's like, what the fuck is happening? Like, you're, are you drunk already? Uh, <laughs> I not there yet. I know, I, I, I know, Kilkenny. Um, but what was happening was I was having an anxiety attack. I was having a panic attack, you know, and I'd never had one before. And I was hyperventilating, which meant that my oxygen and carbon dioxide balance was all out of whack. And that's why things start to go into spasm. So I remember lying there and it was a, a I remember it was the driveway of a, of a pebble dash bungalow with uh, pebble dash walls and it had those really irish pillars with the eagle on top yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> i thought wow this is this is where i'm gonna die this is not quite you know the heroic um viking levels of warrior death that i'd anticipated for myself yeah this, this is just somewhere near castle dermot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. the pebble dash ending <laughs> yeah so uh anyway i got into the ambulance the guy handed me a brown paper bag i was like you're going to be okay uh, it's an anxiety attack uh, but I oh, who, who knew your, your 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 friend or oh the ambulance came the, an ambulance was called and i got lifted into it and they just literally gave me a brown paper bag to to breathe into um, wow so i arrived at kilkenny hospital um and they hooked me up to a load of heart monitors and everything just to check me out and i was fine so you would think that I, you know, I learned my lesson there and then. Uh, but no, I, I pulled the <laughs> Kilkenny Hospital was me. like Kilkenny Hospital was like, oh, we get three or four of you guys in every year for this cat laugh. So there's a lot <laughs> of fucking pressure. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we've seen many people leave the comedy festival in ambulance, but never one actually arrive in. That's that's a new one. <laughs> that's a hell of an entrance. That's showbiz. <laughs> Flashing lights, loads of noise. You know, it's just the attention I was craving. Uh, but, you know, I, I pulled the monitors off and then they said, look, are, do you have a stressful job? <laughs> I was like, well, I'm a stand-up comedian. So what do you think? Um, 
and I work on the radio. So they went, look, what you really need is rest and you need to look at how you're managing stress. And I went, thank you very much. And went straight into town and did two gigs. Got and, up. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for three days in a row and learned nothing, you know, but I suppose at the back of my mind, that was always like, wow, that was weird. And actually, I remember at the time saying, wow, like I had a, you know, it's some kind of panic attack on the way down here, you know, talking to the other comics. And then one by one, they were like, oh, yeah, I had one of them. Oh, yeah, I had one of them. And I was like, why Why is no one talking about this? This is terrifying. You know, yeah. if, and everyone here has had one. They're like, yeah. So I don't know whether it is about comedians and, and uh, panic attacks, but I suppose that planted the seed that, look, something has to change here. So uh, a couple of years later, then I got uh, I met a woman who she was an author and she asked me to launch her book. She'd just written a book and wanted me to kind of emcee the event. I just moved to Holt in Dublin and I thought it was a nice thing to do and a nice way to meet people in the area. And then I uh, I found out that she was a meditation teacher in her spare time. So I thought okay, I need to find something that is going to help me navigate all the things that I like to do. Because like you, I've always enjoyed doing different things. You know, uh, it kind of keeps me interested. But the problem when you when you're inclined towards doing lots of things at the same time, you can burn yourself out pretty easily. So um, I just need I thought, well, look, maybe she could teach me a couple of things to that I could just use. So then I started doing it. And I, you know, I did it. I've done it for over 10 years. And then at some point, I just thought, you know, I, I want to deepen my knowledge of this stuff um, with no real intention of becoming a teacher. Um, and I was kind of talking about meditation a lot, not necessarily doing it every day. And then I, I, I hit a point again where, you know, in about 2016, where I was found myself struggling again. My sleep turned to crap. Um, I was just very tired, very burnt out. And I realized that, I you know, Okay, and I was sort of to lean in into the booze a little bit more again, and I was look, okay, you can go down the old path and do the pints and all that shit, you know, if that's what you want, but you know where that leads, or you can lean into the stuff that you actually know works, but actually do it properly. So I thought, look, I'll do a teacher training course, and maybe that will focus my mind a bit more. And then after that, I realized, actually, I I really love this, and I would I would love to teach it because. You know, for me, it's it's really important that people know that a, a really small changes and really simple, free, easy techniques can have a massive ripple effect out into your life if you just keep turning up every day to do them. Um, yeah, and so is is that the key? Is is that the key that the the consistency of it is really where the winning is, rather than you know, because I, I I think obviously you encounter this all the time. People will always say, "I just can't meditate." If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, because, you know, there's a lot of myths out there about Mm. meditation, you know, and I make it my business to bust as many of them as I can, you know, and there's a lot of that sort of spiritual bullshit that goes with it as well that people see on Instagram and it turns them off, you know, that everyone you see is, you know, wearing white linen and they're sitting on the end of wooden jetties in the lotus position, you know, with a quote meditating. Oh yeah. With a, with an inspirational quote. And you're like, well, no, because she's not meditating to her boyfriend's taking the picture, you know, on her phone so that she can upload it to Instagram. Yeah. And she's going to go through fucking 10 of them now in a second. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and plus Irish people just can't wear white clothes. We either look like, you know, we're in our pajamas or we're escaped inpatients. You know, like it doesn't work for our complexion. So the forget the white flowy clothes. Yeah. Uh, Bad you know. destination wedding photos, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you know, that was important to me to you know, to, to kind of bust a lot of crap you see that being sold as well. You know, you you don't need to be on a, a beautiful cliff top somewhere in Colorado. You know, you all you need is a comfy, you know, that that chair behind me here my uh harvey norman two-seater uh reclining <laughs> couch is where i do it because if you're comfortable and you're warm and you're cozy you're far more likely to come back and do it again and that's your original question like all the science points to regular use just like the gym you you wouldn't turn up twice a month and expect to be completely ripped you know you've got to keep turning up and when they do brain scans you know, t- when they see the actual physical changes to the brain that can only occur, it occurs quite quickly, but it can only occur if you're with regular sessions of meditation. And it doesn't have to be hours and hours. You don't have to be a monk. You know, you can just be doing 15 minutes a day. But, you know, there's a, a famous study that came out of Harvard in 2012, um, and they did it with Massachusetts General Hospital. And they got a bunch of people who had never meditated before. And they just got them to do the less than half an hour a day for eight weeks. And then they scanned their brains, of course, through the whole thing. But what they found at the end really shocked them. They expected to find the normal things in their systems, like lower blood pressure and lower heart rate, and less uh, stress hormones. But they also found that their physical shapes of every single one of their brains had changed. So really? their, yeah, their amygdala, the part of our brain that's responsible for anxious thoughts, angry thoughts, fearful thoughts, that had actually shrunk in size in less than two months in every single one of them. And then they also found that other parts of their brain responsible for 
self-awareness and logical thinking and uh, creating memory, uh, these had all gotten dense. It was like literally more gray matter in those areas. So it, it was, you know, for me, that was a big study because I went, well, like you can literally, like how can I continue to have the same amount of anxious or angry, you know, fearful thoughts that put me in the back of that ambulance if the part of my brain that's producing them is getting smaller every time I sit down to breathe for a few minutes. So um, that's, you know, there's so much emerging science, particularly in the last 10 or 15 years that's just backing this whole thing up. And like, is there any layman's way of saying what's going on or it's just like these are the results we don't really know what's happening i mean do they do they know that the lack of meditation or the increase in stress hormones and the different things that are created from an anxious stressful life are they are they saying that those things are bad for those parts of the brain and the absence of that makes these ones flourish or is there do you happen to know what's going on behind the scenes to make these changes yeah, it, it all really boils down to our stress response. And, you know, when we're in stress mode or fight or flight mode, as most of your listeners would be familiar with, that's when the amygdala is kicking in. So that's our little protective system. Um, and if that is allowed to rule the roost for a long period of time, that's when we start to experience things like anxiety, depression, and basically our inner alarm is going off. So, like, the way I try and explain it is, you know, wherever – any one of your listeners is sitting around, wherever you are, I guarantee you there's a smoke alarm near you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And these are amazing devices and we need them, you know, because they're literally saving our lives. And at three in the morning, if there's a fire, we need that thing going off. And it's the same for our inner smoke alarm, our inner stress alarm. We need that thing operating, you know, in case there is a real and, and physical uh, or emotional threat in our environment. The problem is, if we can't turn that off, it gets very annoying. We all know what it's like if, you know, our neighbors go on holidays and their house alarm is going off, you know, and you're cursing them from a height at 2 a.m. You know, it could be really wearing. And and what also happens is that if our, you know, our inner alarm is ringing the whole time or our, if our smoke alarm is going off, we lose confidence in its ability to protect us when we need it. So all we're trying to do with something like meditation is stop is to turn off our inner stress alarm basically long enough for all our our um our own levels to come back to normal and and our body and mind to do what what it is they want to do on a normal day the problem is that we we get sent into a fight or flight um a fight or flight state between 8 and 15 times a day and that could be anything it could be someone cutting you off in traffic it could be a conversation you don't want to have it could be a, a fearful thought about covid-19 whatever it is and the problem is that the busier our world gets and the more exposure we have to bad news and all those things that we're looking at on our devices our our inner stress alarm can be ringing nonstop and when that happens it starts to bleed into other areas of our life like sleep and that you know that's one of the first things that people mm. notice but you know stress has got a you know i'm a big believer that stress has got a lot of bad press in the last particularly kind of 10 or 15 years i mean they did a study in 2007 uh in america and they asked um uh, everyone in the survey you know what what their attitude to stress was and and people thought well 
um, you know, I, I think like half the people in the study almost said, I think stress can actually be a, a positive thing. You know, it can help me reach my goals. It can help me overcome challenges. They did the same study seven years later in 2014, and nearly 90% of people in the study believe that stress was harmful to your health. So our, once we begin to change our perception towards stress, we can start then to understand it a bit more and it can have massive impacts on, on how we manage that stress. Once we see it as, look, this is a really useful thing that actually has loads of benefits. Like if you look at anyone you've ever looked at on a comedy stage or, you know, anyone who's ever performed on a, in a sporting arena or, on, you know, on any kind of a stage, the, you know, the, the people that we love, they all rely on the stress response. You rely on the stress response, mm. you know. We know what it's like when you're getting up on, on a comedy stage. If you don't feel a little bit of butterflies, a tiny bit of racing heart, you know that, well, actually, hang on. I'm, I, I'm not going to be able to think quick enough here. I'll be yeah, too right. relaxed. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, we need we need a short term stress is actually a really possible, positive thing. It can boost our, our immune system. It helps our, our cognitive function. Loads, you know, scientific studies show that um you know, a short-term stress actually improves our brain function, helps us make better decisions in the moment, helps us think quicker. There's a lot of positives about short uh, short bursts of stress. The bad stress is the stress we don't turn off when we let our inner alarm ring and ring and ring, and that's when we start to to see the negatives. And it can and that, really that is really down. that like that's the that's the anxiety and the depression part, right? And that's the thing that can lead you to having a panic attack, like like you had, right? Because I did, yeah. I, I did uh, Caroline Foran's pod, uh, pod you know, uh, she, her whole thing is owning it, you know, the anxiety podcast. And yeah. she was, she was talking, I had her on my pod too, but she was talking similar um, about, uh, you know, the, the fact that it can be out of control and can be sort of, you know, uh, long lasting. And then I did listen to a guest on her podcast and she was talking a lot about like one, why it's so damaging people in an abusive relationship is because it's such intense stress for so long that it can be quite debilitating and actually can take quite a long time to recover from. So that's why I think it's so good that you're talking about all this because mm. it, it it's, it's obviously medication sometimes for chronic situations, but but for the average person, they really can get a lot of results from regular meditation, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and I suppose it's it's making friends with the stress in our life is very important. I'll tell you another study which I, I thought was absolutely fascinating. It was started in 1998. It was published in 2012. But basically, this was a huge study. They they they. Uh, covered 30,000 Americans in this study, and they only asked them two questions. And it was, do you think you have a lot of stress in your life? And do you think that stress is harmful to your health? There's a very famous TED Talk that covers this as well by Kelly McGonigal, and she, she has a great book called The Upside of Stress, if you, if you ever want to know more. But basically, they asked everyone in this study those two questions. Have you a lot of stress? Do you think it's bad for your health? And then they let them go about their lives. And then they circled back eight years later, and they check the death records to see how many of them weren't walk around anymore. And then they correlated that with their answers. And what they found was amazing. They found that if for the people who said, yes, I have a lot of stress in my life. And I think that stress is harmful to my health. They were 43% more likely to die prematurely. So yeah, I've low of stress. I think it's really bad for me. They were 43% more likely to die. However, they, there was another bunch of people who said, yeah, I have a lot of stress in my life, but you know what it helps me, uh, you know, helps me grow as a human. 
helps me face challenges, helps me reach my goals, helps make, helps make me more resilient. Those people not only outlive the first group, but they also outlive the people who said, who tried to avoid stress altogether. So what that shows us is massive, that it's actually how we perceive stress. So if we go, look, you know, our lives are stressful. We can't avoid it. But you know what? In healthy doses, I can actually use this to my benefit. You know, this can be a real advantage to me. And not only does it help us become more resilient, but it actually literally changes our biology. It helps us to live longer, how we perceive that stress. So um, sometimes I think that, you know, stress is talked about as this sort of evil, bad cloud that can float around and then just descend on you and you're you're screwed. But actually, when you go, no, do you know what? My, my, my body's stress response is an incredibly ingenious physiological and biological response and is trying to protect me. All I need to know is a few techniques to turn it off so that my body can reset and I can move in from fight or flight into rest and digest so I can take the nutrients out of my food and do all the things that I need to do normally. So we're not trying to reinvent anything or flip our lives or you know, our entire mental outlook on its head. All we're trying to do is introduce a couple of techniques that will turn off our inner smoke alarm long enough that we can start to relax, find a bit of calm, and then move into the, the next potentially stressful situation and just keep introducing those little techniques that are going to turn off that stress response. So do you have, obviously, meditation is very important to you. Are there other techniques that you employ? Do you do like CBT? Do you do any other forms of just making sure that you know how to turn it off? Um, not necessarily the CBT or, or those techniques. I'm a big believer. You know, you mentioned at the start, there's some people that just go, like, I can't meditate. I just, mm. I, I can't do it. There's something wrong with me. You know, um, a lot of people think that you're not meant to have thoughts. You can, you just have to clear your mind, you know, like, like one of those Buddhist monks, but you know, we've between 60 and 80,000 thoughts every single day. Are, they're not going anywhere, you know, and we need thoughts. If we're not thinking we're dead, so they're good. We just don't have to follow every one of them like Homer mm. chasing the dog with the fluffy tail down the road. Um, so firstly, when people understand, look, it's OK when you have thoughts, it doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong or that somehow your brain is broken and everyone else is getting it. Like really all meditation is, is focusing your mind on one thing. So, for instance, your breath, when your mind wanders off, which it will, you gently bring your attention back to your breath. That's it. There's that no is meditation, right? That's meditation right there. And and you could do a five-minute meditation. Your mind could wander 50 times. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It doesn't mean that your brain is different to everyone else's. Each time you realize your attention has wandered off and you bring it back to your breath, that's another little physical change that's happening in your brain. That's another little adjustment you're making. You're training your brain all the time um, just to... You know, it'll wander, you gently bring it back. There are some people who even with that knowledge and even with the practice just go, look, I can't sit down and do that. I just, I can't be by myself. You know, I, I just can't sit with my own thoughts. I, I'm not, it's not a happy place for me to be. Um, and again, I would say to people like, that is perfectly normal. Every, you know, so many people feel like that. There's an amazing study they did um, in the University of Virginia, where they got a few hundred people and they, all they got them to do is sit in a room for 15 minutes by themselves, no distractions. So no phones or whatever, hardly any furniture, just sit down 15 minutes. That's all you got to do. They put a button on the table and the button uh, 
if you pressed it, would administer an electric shock. And they said, look, you don't have to press that button, okay? It's going to electrocute you. You could just sit there for 15 minutes. That's all you got to do. And then when they got the results back, they were like, what? What is wrong with everybody? Because <laughs> 67% of men chose to press the button and electrocute themselves <laughs> rather, than just, <laughs> rather than just sit in silence for 15 minutes. That's well, all. How many do. of them were jerking off when they pressed the button? <laughs> it's like, I heard this fucking makes your orgasms really fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> 25% of the women electrocuted themselves. So there was some improvement there. But, you know, um, it, you know, for me, though, that study just shows, look, the way we are, whether we were always like that or it's just now in, you know, in 2021. But for many people, you know, we find it hard to just sit down by ourselves. It's something that's almost unnatural now, mm. you know, Um I forget which comedian it was used to talk about, you know, the ancient art of just standing at a gate, which Irish people used to do, you know, and just lean on a gate. And that was the activity for the day. You would you would watch cars or whatever, yeah. you know, but that was it, you know. Um, and sometimes I think, you know, wouldn't it be great to go back to that, that ability just to be, just to stand around or yeah. just. Well, I, I, I had I had a little bit of a joke. I was doing a, like a sort of joke about being distracted by iPhones all the time. But I was I would always sort of point out a younger person in the crowd. And I would always say, like, do you know what we used to do when we waited for somebody back in the day? Wait, <laughs> just fucking <laughs> yeah. just wait, yeah. just be there standing like left foot, right foot, cross your arms. And, you know, in a way. It's not surprise. Look, what I don't know the stats on more stress or increased anxiety, more depression, suicide rates, all these things. But it doesn't surprise me that people are on the hunt more and more for a sense of coming back to yourself because there's just not the same enforced being with yourself as there used to be. You know, like you just, yeah. just it's easy to be distracted all the time. It is, you know, when you see slogans like just do it and all that. And, you know, sometimes I wish that, you know, the, the Nike slogan was just just do nothing because that's the ancient art of, of stuff that we've lost. Yes. Um, but, you know, there will always be people who go, look, I can't the meditation thing. I'm just not I just can't do it. I can't sit by myself. Um, I just don't like it. So, you know, I'm a big believer. Well, then look, find your meditation. So we, we all have had some something in our lives that we used to do where we lost track of time or maybe you you have it and you probably just didn't even think that it was doing anything for you you know so maybe you used to play an instrument or um you know maybe you used just to walk more or you used to run or, or whatever it is anything or, or coloring or drawing or painting or whatever it is but if you can find something where you lose track of time that isn't watching television um you know, anything where you're not, you know, you hear people talk about this present moment and it, you know, meditation, mindfulness is anything that brings you into the, into the present moment. Meditation is a form of mindfulness. The present moment does sound like Oprah, but all it means is that when we're in the present moment, we're not in the future worrying about shit that might happen. And we're not in the past thinking about shit that did happen and anything that can pull you into that present moment where you're in it. So it could be coloring. It could be jogging. It could be playing with the dog. You know, it could be whatever it is, you know, make that your meditation. Because even if you can get yourself into that position where you are just in the present moment, even if it's for a few minutes a day, can have a massive, again, that ripple effect out into your day. So 
you know, you don't have to be focusing on your breath or, you know, repeating mantras or if, if just the word meditation just puts you off, find your own meditation, whatever that is, and just do a little bit more of that and maybe do a little bit less of the other things that we know aren't exactly brilliant for our brain. So go back a little bit on the Netflix, you know, go back a little bit on the coffee and just try and introduce a, a few more minutes of those things and, and start there. Yeah, cut back on the fucking Twitter and the Instagram and the flicking for no reason. And I mean, all that stuff is definitely going to be positive for you. But like yeah. even I, I go I go in and out with the meditation. Obviously, the early days of my sobriety, I was actually pretty disciplined. And I used to go down to the Dzogchen Bera, to the Buddhist place in the Allahees, West Cork. Uh, That's but even yeah. But even these days, what you're saying, because obviously with the pandemic, you know, sometimes I'm just on the beach walking the dog or just walking. And it is amazing that when you remind yourself, oh, let me just be in this for a sec. I mean, it's not hard. I'm on the fucking Atlantic Ocean. But the difference between sort of walking and looking at your phone, even walking, listening to a podcast, the difference between just walking and just kind of going like, all right, I'm just going to take in what I'm looking at, become aware of breathing in and out. Not like I know I was just about to say not in the meditation way, even though that is meditation, but just just even just being aware of the cold air, you know, all those things, they, they do make a difference. But sometimes I completely forget. I can go months and then suddenly one day be like, when was the last time I actually just tried to be present in this thing? Okay. Yeah, and I think that's that's what can happen to uh, you know, us all that we become what my teacher used to call crisis meditators. So, you know, we <laughs> we forget about it and then suddenly, oh, shit just got real. And you're like, oh, you know, you're trying to catch up. You're checking in with uh, Andy from Headspace. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so you've got a crisis. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's funny you mentioned the beach. Um, I remember being in La Hinge in County Clare a couple of years ago and uh, I was, you know, it was just the tide was out. It was just so much sand. And I, I was going for a run and I was like, oh, this just is so great. And then I thought, God, it's, it's just so wide open. Why don't I do a little trust exercise on myself, you know, and I, I'll close my eyes while I'm jogging so that, you know, it's quite a hard thing to do. You really have to keep, you know, telling yourself it's OK because you're you're that stress response is like we need to see where we're going here. So I started, no, I, I'm going to keep running because it's so wide open here. I'm just going to run with my eyes closed, you know, and, and get that feeling of really trusting that everything's going to be OK. But I didn't realize that when I closed my eyes, I ran a, a, in, a, in a fairly sharp arc to the right. And I'm there in this beautiful at one with everything moment and ran straight onto a pile of rocks. And absolutely wrecked myself on it. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> completely banjacked my knee. And it was two women who had been walking behind me who were just stopped looking at me, going, what, what just happened here? Because to them, I, it was just this guy jogging, who then did a sharp right and kamikaze into the boulders at the edge of the beach. Um, so, I don't know, I suppose that was a, a lesson in, you know, it's great to be at one with everything, but just keep your, keep your eyes, eyes open, open at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Reality check. Um, yeah, so do you, uh, do, you know, do you have any uh, any other tricks? I know you, you've given all these tricks, but are there any of those apps that you recommend or do you think they're a good way to start? Or, you know, obviously, can people can people contact you? More importantly, what makes some money? 
Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they can. I've got free guided meditations up on my website, which is dermotwhelan.com. Um, so there's one for anxiety. There's one for sleep and relaxation. And, you know, sleep is such a big one. There's something called Corona Somnia, which we were discussing on our radio show this week. You know, oh, people's really? sleep patterns globally have, have been affected, not just because of the anxiety and uncertainty, but also because our routines and our patterns have been disrupted so much that, you know, our normal melatonin production system is a little bit out of whack. So people are finding that they're getting into bed and can't fall asleep or else they're all waking up at four o'clock in the morning. That was a big one for me. Uh, you know, when I was struggling, I used to wake up at 10 past three every night. And I had absolutely no idea why. And I would just lie there worrying about not sleeping. And that was keeping me awake. And, you know, I, I I suppose what I didn't understand at the time was just getting back to that stress response because I wasn't using any techniques to turn off my inner alarm. My cortisol levels were high. My adrenaline levels were high. So basically, my body was saying, Okay, Dermot, look, I, I can see you're knackered. So I'll let you go to sleep for five hours. But I want you awake then because judging by your stress hormones is obviously some kind of a threat in our environment and we need to be awake for that. So I want you awake at 10 past three. Um, but as soon as I learned a couple of little techniques, um, which we can do together today, if you want, um, it just allowed myself to turn off that stress response long enough for my body to go, oh, I know this, this is sleep. Let's do that. You know, and then we can we we fall asleep. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been anyway, I've so been waking up. I've been waking up early the entire pandemic. And when I first met Hannah, I was fucking. I you know I first met Hannah, and then she went into her reality show situation. I did actually have like the oddest period of intense anxiety, probably the most anxious I've I've been in my life to the point where I actually I I I, I actually contacted a therapist, and we were doing some some uh some cbt stuff but i was also fucking leaning in heavy on uh andy from headspace <laughs> that's why i have such a great relationship with him i i hear andy's voice i start to relax and then i also think in two hours i'm probably going to be jerking off on facetime with hannah because <laughs> she we we, we, we does andy come into your head at those times You're like not now andy. <laughs> not now just let's just begin in the usual way so uh <laughs> Uh, no, uh, but but no, it, it was genuinely stressful, and uh, you know, it was like my sleep went, everything went. But then I also did look up. I did an episode with Joanne McNally actually about the hormones of love. I was also dealing with that falling for somebody. You know, you're, you're you're getting all these hormones, but it was also sort of mixed in with my general levels of anxiety, the pandemic, high cortisol, the whole the whole package, and that that was genuinely like I I literally for a time was just like. I can't fucking wait for some of these fucking hormones and this energy to pass because this is torture. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's hard. Sleep is, is, is a hard one for people because it's just so intrusive. You know, once you're, it's like having a wobbly wheel on, you know, on a, a race car, it's only a matter of time before everything starts to shake and bits start to come off, you know, and, and it's usually the first sign for a lot of people that maybe, you know, they need to, make a, a, a slight change or that maybe that stress is creeping in a little bit on them um because you know you can be you can be you can really love your sleep and have have a great history of sleep but suddenly it can be, start to be disrupted and it becomes a kind of a a vicious cycle then when you're you're worried about not sleeping going to bed and 
you know, yes. that, that could be hard for a lot of people. But, you know, the apps are great. Headspace is, is obviously a fantastic, you know, it's, it's a world famous app for a reason. Uh, Insight Timer is a great app. It's free as well. And there's thousands of teachers on that. All kinds of meditations. I think um, Killian, then, Killian, course, Killian does a fucking calm, does he? Killian Murphy does. Yeah, he's the voice of of Cam, um, one of the, the 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 famous voices on the app. That's the iPhone app, which is a, a paid service. Yeah, I'm not listening to fucking Killian try to get me to relax. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's you can't, you can't listen to a friend. You know, I think once. Once you know somebody that well, you're yeah, like, I mean, like I'm you can fuck off. I've seen this. you fucking blow your lid, you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> but fucking tell me to relax, you fucking prick. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, pe- people do think you know because you know they hear, oh, you, you meditate that there's an expectation that you're going to be this really serene, unflappable character who's like, hey guys, can we not just talk about this? You know, and that's not the case. And, and actually, a big worry of a lot of people, particularly Irish people, is that I know I don't want to do that. It's going to make me no crack. Oh, yeah, yeah. So people have a worry that they will suddenly become this really calm, balanced person, and, and as a result, be no crack. Um, which is funny. Obviously, that's that's not true, because it doesn't give you a personality transplant. You know, if you're prone to you know, freaking out the odd time in traffic or, or you yell at the kids from time to time or, or, or whatever it is, or you're hyper competitive. Um, it's not that that's going to disappear. Like, you know, I still might get annoyed at, in traffic if somebody suddenly cuts me off. But the feeling that comes with it is going to last way a shorter time. Yeah. I'm not going to stay in that state, you know. And, and for many people, if something triggers triggers them early in the day, that feeling then resonates like a musical note just throughout the whole day. And I think the more you meditate, yes, you'll have those bursts of high emotion. And, you know, and I, we need them. It's, it's, it makes us who we are. You know, mm-hmm. if you're a fiery person, you know, full of enthusiasm and, you know, you're, you're outspoken and argumentative, that's who you are. That's kind of your personality. But you don't want that ruling, you know, that emotional side just on, on turned up to 10 all day long. So, what something like meditation does is it it still keeps those pieces of ourselves intact. It just doesn't keep us in that reactive state all day long. Yeah. Plus, and that that personality that you described is you know essentially me. And uh, like <laughs> anyone, oh, who, you were picking up on that. <laughs> but but anybody who's and like that, Aiden. yeah, yeah. But anybody who's like that would have to be like in serious denial not to admit that there are times that they're lying in bed being like, can you just shut the fuck up sometimes? It didn't matter. Or why didn't you let it go? And so there, there clearly there are negative sides to that sometimes. So it, it is nice when you can control the, the parts of that that are prone to getting you in trouble. I think that's what's great about what you're talking about. Yeah. And you know, science shows that what meditation does is that it creates that little gap between something happening and our reaction. So something that would trigger us normally. So, you know, someone chewing an, an apple in our face might might set us off just to circle back to that. But, you know, they can tell not only does the amygdala shrink with regular meditation, it also weakens the links from the amygdala to other parts of the brain. So it isn't this sort of supercharged highway of emotion. The more we do it, it creates that little gap. It weakens that that 
big signal that's going to suddenly activate all those other parts of fight or flight. So in real terms, you know, somebody sends us an email that you reopen and you go, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, and normally you'd be like, right, I'm going to send them a really <laughs> a reply that's going to win a Pulitzer. It's going to be so, you know, well written aggressively, you know, and what happens after we we do something like meditation for a reasonable length of time, we create that gap between us reacting in the moment. And sometimes it's literally all you need is a quarter of a second or half a second to stop you, you know, scorching the village, as my teacher used to say, you know, like you just need something. And sometimes that's long enough to actually just check yourself and go, okay, how do yeah, you and, then, and, and then you're not stuck with all the repercussions of your immediate reaction, which then is a snowball of more emotion based on how you reacted. I mean, I always feel that road rage is the perfect example of that because you can always just not react and literally five minutes later, you can't even remember that it happened or you can react and sometimes you're stuck in a fucking situation. Yeah. Or what about the flip? You know, for a lot of people... It's the you know, it's a famous Marge Simpson scene in the in the Simpsons where she's she's driving away after um, there's a character called Becky in it that she's really jealous of and she's like yeah Becky so she, she's driving you know uh, 15 minutes after the incident and now she's saying in the car all the things that she should have said and we all do that so sometimes you know we can be in a situation where we're so stunned and we're immediately in fight or flight mode so we we don't react at all. And then we can be driving, you know, driving home like Marge Simpson and going, shit, why, why didn't I tell that person? Actually, they, they were way out of line for, for saying mm. that to me. They shouldn't have been speaking to me that way. But I just stood there and took it. And what happens is you went into flight mode. You were like, oh, shit, I don't like the situation. I just want to get the fuck out of here. But actually, you know, if you had that little gap, it it works for those situations as well, where you go well, okay, this person is saying stuff that could potentially really trigger me into just wanting to curl into a ball. But actually, I, I have a little bit of more awareness now so I can say, you know what, buddy, I, I don't like the way you're talking to me there. I, I think it's quite condescending or whatever it is. Mm. And so you're actually creating a little bit more awareness in the moment to stick to up for yourself. Yeah, to be assertive. Yeah that's, yeah, that's a good point too, which uh, I wish I had more of that problem. <laughs> 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 Whereas more see, often I, than I, not, I, more often than not, my problem is fucking six hours later. Like, hey, listen, I'm fucking sorry. I was being a dick there, man. It was just not a big deal. I don't know why I wouldn't fucking let it go. And I should have fucking just, you know, I should have just agreed with you. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm always, yeah. I've seen somebody say something to you, and then suddenly it cuts to like crime scene tape, <laughs> flashing blue lights, and a, and a detective going. So what exactly did they say? <laughs> but anyway, Dermot, that's great. I mean, I've, I I don't want to, I don't want to keep you too long now. It's late in the in the day, but that's fantastic. So I'm I'm not surprised that you're doing these. You have a great, um, you have a great insight into it all, but you also have a great way of putting it across. You're full of the fucking analogies. I mean, Jesus Christ, there's a TED talk in you for sure. You've got all the fucking comparisons, you know. I don't know. Those TED talkers are far too slick, you know, and I. I they you have to change. You have to change perfect. your cadence. You have to change your cadence for some reason. You have to have the TED Talk cadence. Yeah, 
Uh, it's because it's become so formulaic now. I, I've sort of lost faith in it. And, and everyone <laughs> who gives a TED talk is expecting the standing ovation. And then when they don't get it, they're really pissed off. You know, they're, <laughs> you know, they're giving a TED talk on just appreciating, you know, the smaller things in life. And then they're storming into the dressing room because they didn't get the standing ovation that they wanted. Uh, yeah. But, you know, they always walk out and they have to have some dramatic opening line like some question. Yeah, when the JCB drove over my legs, I knew that at that moment my life would never be the same again. Uh, you know, that was the day my I, life turned into a building site. I could have never <laughs> known what a beautiful construction was about to begin. <laughs> There's always like, what would you do if if you were in this situation? What would you do? You know, like whatever the fucking TED talks. But uh, some of them are good, like the Brené Brown stuff is good about shame, and you know, there's there, there there is some stuff that I have listened to that I've been like, fuck yeah, that's 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 very interesting, oh, yeah. motivating, you know. Yeah, but even if you think of it as a as a currency, you know, as a resource, you know, the idea that people would be sticking their headphones in and listening to inspirational talks about wh- whatever, you know, I, I think that's a great thing. I I think. Audio has just opened up worlds of of potential for people, um, you know, along with the Internet. If you have some weird interest in marine, you know, some part of marine biology, you can probably find a TED talk on it. You know, I, yeah. I think it's I think it's great. It's an incredible resource. But the other thing I think is great, just to just to finish, is that, you know, when I first got sober and I was going to meetings and I was in this, I was really in this whole world of wellness before it was called wellness and you know, it was basically like life or death shit as far as I was concerned. Like, how am I going to stop myself from doing this very damaging behavior? And we all thought, like, we would all, all the, the sober guys, we'd all talk to each other like, you know, only we understand because we were forced to do this because we're so fucked up. And people that just aren't, aren't forced to do this just don't get it, you know? And it wasn't like we thought we were different. Or sorry, it's not that we thought we were better or anything, but we did genuinely think that people that, you know, don't have these problems will never be forced to have to do all this shit because it's tedious sometimes, you know, fucking meditating and, you know, seeing therapists and trying to fucking sort your shit out. But what's been great about the last sort of, I think, really 15, 20 years is that more and more it just turns out that we're all fucked up and we all need to check ourselves and, you know, just getting it out there that like, you don't have to be an alcoholic or an addict to fucking be fucked up. You could have depression, whatever, whatever thing that's fucking you up. It's great that there's so many people out there talking about how you can, you know, help yourself to not struggle as much, you know? So it's really kind of like the, the democratization of people trying to fucking be better people. It's great. You know? Yeah. And, you know, you know, I mentioned the panic attack and that and sometimes I don't like talking about that because I don't want to give the impression that you need the big moment, you know, whether it was your relationship with alcohol or, you know, me with all the stuff that I was overworking, basically, and not getting enough sleep and and having a big moment like a panic attack. You know, for most people, it could just be a sense of meh, you know, that, you know, I remember having a great conversation with a guy in a bar. We just got talking down in Cork one night and, you know, he was telling me that he had loads, you know, his own architectural company and he was, you know, he had a lovely wife and kids. And he was saying, you know, I'm on paper, he had it all, but he was saying, I'm happy, but I'm not happy. You know, I, I feel like I've ticked all the boxes that they told me I should tick, but I, I, I'm not feeling it, you know, and I think for a lot of people, 
you know, and it's been amplified by lockdowns and, you know, remote working for a lot of people, you know, there's, there isn't going to be a big, you know, uh, Ted talk moment that's going to suddenly set them on another path. It, it's just a feeling that shit could possibly be a little bit better. You know, I, I would, you know, my sense of, of fizz or, or fun might feel like it's disappeared for a while, you know, and, and sometimes if you, when we just, introduce some little changes some little techniques you can actually just bring that back up to the surface it's not that it's disappeared it's just kind of gone a bit background and you can you can bring it foreground quite easily so you know you don't have to have the big oprah aha moment um you know to 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 improve things you know and and experience that ripple effect out into your life you can just be feeling a bit yeah you know, and, and these things can really, or actually you could be feeling, you could be feeling quite good and you could just like say, fuck it. You know what? I might as well maintain. It's just literally just good mental health practice. Yeah. And sometimes it could just be driven by curiosity. You know, like mm. we upgrade the software on our laptops and our phones all the time and we don't think about it, but you know, we can be, you know, doing something for 30 years and, and never think about upgrading anything that's happening in our minds. But you go, Actually, why why am I doing this job again? You know, like, <laughs> I, I didn't I start this because I wanted to please my dad like thirty years ago, and, and now I'm still doing it, and he's dead. <laughs> I don't even like this thing. You know, why why not why not dig in a bit deeper and just upgrade our software? You know, just out of curiosity, just to see shit. You know, what if I did stuff actually for me now? That 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 might be nice, or you know. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's endless. Was, the scenarios are endless, a hundred percent. Well, thank yeah. you so much. So for, for those techniques, they can check out DermotWheelan.com. Is that what you said? Yeah, DermotWheelan.com. Yeah, there's a 16 second meditation up there that was uh, taught to me by my teacher. I, I trained in California with one of the leading U.S. corporate stress management experts, and that was a wonderful experience of of kookiness and <laughs> Californian. Uh, just madness for a while so that that was great but um yeah that that technique is up on my on my website and there's a load of free guided meditations there too and what's your uh insta again my insta is at dermot today fm at dermot today fm anything else you want to plug uh i'm going to have this is exclusive now i'm going to have a book coming out very soon which hopefully will boil all this down into uh very manageable bite-sized chunks for people if it's something that they're interested in. Oh, that's great. Well, people can keep an eye out for that. Dermot, thank you. You've been one of my favorite guests for a long time, I have to say. I didn't even know that we were going to have 10 minutes of comedy gold about misophonia, let alone all these great life techniques. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, when you're doing that, you have to have a string of toffee that goes from the top lip to the bottom lip, just to add... I can't. I can't, even, I can't even think about it. Well, it was nice to catch up. It was nice to catch up as well. So, uh, you too, Des. I'm I'm delighted for you. I'm I'm also intrigued by the cats that go up and down that ladder. I know, and I'm the sure whole can... the, the 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 that's just a storage place, but it's become the cat's home, which is handy because the cats and the dog sometimes it's like the the cat needs a needs an out. So. The whole thing. And you've got to be able to build that into your act somehow that you could be telling jokes and the cats are just going up and down a ladder at the side of the stage. 
Um, I, well, I, I, you know, it's so fucked up. It's like, I'm only halfway through the fucking Mia Mama tour. Like, I got to go back to talking about my fucking dead mom. And I just feel like miles from that now. Like last year when I was doing the show, this time last year, I was so in it and it was so much a part of me. And don't, obviously, you know, the grief doesn't disappear. I'm not saying the grief is over, but I'm at a very different stage of grief now. The thought of going back into that now, it's like, oh God. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to getting back into the show. And when I do, I'm sure I'll be into it. But, uh, you know, in the interim, I'm stripping fucking paint off this brick wall. Yeah, that's my life. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be. Uh, I, I can't imagine what it's like to, yeah, dip out of that and then have to go back in. Cause- I mean, I'm sure once I'm doing it again, it will feel fine. But the thought yeah. of getting back into it is like. It, it it it's not that appealing right now. In fact, just just yesterday, I was actually making sure that I still had the the keynote presentation because I wouldn't be able to do that show right now if you told me do the show or I said like I'll give you ten grand to do the show right now. I like I would not be able to to do it right. So I was mm-hmm. going through the slides and I was like, fuck me, you know, because like I was so in the grief that like it didn't seem that dark to me because it was just my life but now when i look at it i'm like fuck me i really got into it i mean it's a good show don't get me wrong you saw it did you i did see it yeah yeah it got it got a little bit tighter yeah it got tighter you conveniently did it like 300 yards from my house so that was nice (laughs) well it got a little tighter that was pretty early i was still working on it then it got a little tighter and and a little better visually like i i incorporated a lot more slides and got a little bit of better video but but you did see the general vibe of it. I mean, I really d- did dig into it. So I, I was kind of looking at it yesterday, and I was like, "Fucking hell, man! That was a fucking that was that was heavy jelly." But I I I will uh, get into ki- it. It's a killer show, absolutely killer. I've no doubt people are. You will get back into it, and obviously people are going to love it because it's so good. But I I can appreciate that because any stand up set at any time, it's it's just like an emotional snapshot. You know, I suppose it's and it's a bit like looking at a photo that's a couple of years old of, of yourself and going, oh, yeah, I remember that shirt. Uh, yeah, I don't really wear that shirt anymore. It's 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 kind of like that. You've got to get yourself back into, into yeah. that mode. Yeah. I mean, for example, like I, I, I kind of feel like part of that show, the underneath of it. The underneath is this sense of this difficult relationship with my mother and and that possibly the 44-year-old man talking about this, not married, no children, you know, that, 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 that is the, the unsaid sort of wreckage of this. And now I'm coming back to it like happily in a relationship. I got a cat and a dog. Probably won't be long till I have some kids. And, you know, the real subtext of the show is once that fucking lunatic was out of his life, things got real good real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's your, there's your new killer ending. So <laughs> <it's done. laughs> All right. Well, go on. We'll leave, we'll leave on that note. Great catching up. I, I, I would have caught up with you in normal life, but it's so much better to be able to actually turn it into work. Uh, yeah, but look, we would never have spoken at this level of depth if we, you know, we met for a cup of coffee. Just, you know, that's a great thing about these things. We can, we can go a bit deeper and, and fit three years worth of conversations into an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, well done. I, I have to say, congratulations. It's such an interesting thing that that you're you're doing and creating. So more power to you in the future. And uh, we'll chat soon. Say hi to Karina and the family. I mean, I don't really know your kids, but uh, say hi to Karina, and uh, we'll talk to you. Well, I'll talk to you either in the interim or certainly when I'm back in Ireland. 
Uh, yeah, same to you, buddy. Um, hi to Hannah. Not that I have met her yet. And uh, I'm very happy for your levels of domestic bliss. And even if you try and, and uh, you know, deny it, it's written all over your face. So, <laughs> <laughs> for the world to see. Thanks, That's great, man. man. I'm delighted for you. Thanks. Talk to you soon, Dermo. See you, Des. Good luck. See you. Bye. So thanks, guys. Um, really fun app. Thanks to Dermot. Long up too, because we're just yapping, yapping, yapping. Um, so we'll be back next week, as always. Try to get Steve back on. Um, don't forget to leave reviews. Tell everybody about the pod. That's the most important thing. We've got to get the word out there. We've got a good, steady thing. I think we've really found out what we're about these last couple of months uh, after a few different incarnations throughout the pandemic. And now we're nice and steady. By the way, it's not even 7 a.m. here. 6.49 a.m. New York. It's minus 9 degrees. Strong, blustery, northerly wind. I'm saying it's gusting at least 40 miles an hour. Uh, it snowed last night. Not a lot, but it's uh, there's a sort of a, like a white dusting. But because it's so windy and it's so cold. Do you know the way sometimes snow doesn't look pretty it just looks cold well it just looks cold it just looks like you know minnesota it's very very crispy so minus nine this morning is definitely the coldest that i've experienced this winter it is without doubt the coldest day i have ever had in this house in my life normally this house is shut for the winter so this is a moment but the house is holding up i mean i did get it winterized uh Back in November, uh, covered up the pipes and got some, you know, got some heat tape wrapped around exposed pipes and different things. And it's holding up. Today is definitely a day where the pipes would freeze. So I did realize last night that the door was open a crack during the night. So it was absolutely freezing this morning. But you guys don't care. The pod is over. So listen, uh, Patreon uh, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The reason I'm reminding you guys now is uh, it's February 1st coming up and Patreon bills at the beginning of the month. So, or the Patreon bills for the month. So even if you sign up on January 31st, you get billed for January. So February 1st, sign up for Patreon. We have a great thing going. Uh, people in the comments section on YouTube, because they're YouTube lives, but you get access through Patreon. And uh, it's good fun. We have, a, we have a, like a small community of people that are there pretty much every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have good chats. Sometimes they even um, inspire uh, podcast episodes, ideas. So do come along. It's only five or a month, and uh, it's good fun. Um, other than that, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for being here. Do spread the word to everybody you know. Take a screenshot, especially if you listen on Spotify, uh, at Des Bishop on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Des Bishop. We'll talk to you guys soon. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.